Barnwell. In a minute, Danny Heifetz of The Ringer is going to join me to talk about the teams who are down bad. The teams who are furthest from Super Bowl contention, furthest from relevance, furthest from the glory of the NFL postseason. We're going to talk about the worst teams in football and how far away they are. We're going to rank them one to five. Some interesting choices from Danny, a team I don't think anyone has in their top five at the bottom of the top five for me. But before we get to that, a team that is not mentioned in that conversation, it's a team I want to talk about when it comes to their offensive infrastructure and some of the choices they made and are now being blamed for their struggles. And that is our old friends, the New York Jets, who... It felt like until Monday, we're in a good place. They were four and three after playing an extremely difficult schedule. They obviously have not been great on offense without Aaron Rodgers, who's been out for the year, but they had been solid enough to win games. They were on a winning streak. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Eagles in an upset, and then they beat the Giants in a game where unfortunately somebody had to win and the Jets pulled out a miracle at the very end of the contest. We are now at a point after the Chargers game where criticism is coming in. And I'm going to say that is deserved because people who are blaming this season not living up to expectations, which I don't think it will, on the Aaron Rodgers injury have a point. Losing Aaron Rodgers, your starting quarterback in week one, in the opening drive of week one, it's going to hurt your chances of winning, no question. But even if they had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, this is not the Super Bowl caliber roster that the Jets were hoping for. And I'm going to leave the defense aside. They're playing very well. Uh, You know, they're six in the NFL in EPA per play after the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to say they're the 85 Bears, as the, the, the defense has suggested. They're below teams like the Jaguars. They're, I think they're tied with the Falcons for defensive EPA per play, which is good. They're a good defense, no question. But they have to be incredible, spectacular, multiple interceptions, and probably a defensive touchdown to pull out wins for this offense. And that is not strictly having Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. That is the infrastructure around Aaron Rodgers, which was bad the moment week one started. Let's review The Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. Nathaniel Hackett had not been a good coordinator at any level outside of three years with the Packers where he was not calling the plays. That was Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback. Remember, in the few plays Aaron Rodgers ran this year, they cut defensive linemen twice with cut blocks to throw quick game, uh, which Aaron Rodgers, after the fact, it was reported Aaron Rodgers does not like running quick game and having offensive linemen cut to get the ball out quickly. He, in fact, took the season-ending sack that tore his Achilles on a play where Garrett Wilson was open on quick game after his offensive lineman cut, and Aaron Rodgers did not get rid of the football because he wanted to find a better solution. So not great that your offensive coordinator, who you hired solely to mesh with Aaron Rodgers, called two of the first four pass plays of the season and had Aaron Rodgers be not particularly fond of those plays, but certainly have not seen very much in the post Aaron Rodgers era and in the Nathaniel Hackett's career outside of working with Aaron Rodgers to make me believe that he is a NFL caliber offensive coordinator. We saw plenty of that in the loss to the Chargers. This is a team that has one very talented wide receiver in Garrett Wilson and not much else at receiver. They have, we're giving 
uh, plenty of snaps to Alan Lazard, who had a pass hit him in the helmet for a drop, I believe, on Monday night. He's had several drops this year, has been very inconsistent. Randall Cobb was playing regularly to start the year. Again, his primary NFL skill at this point is being friends with Aaron Rodgers. He's become a healthy scratch. With either of those players on the field last year, the Packers were 23 points of QBR worse when Aaron Rodgers was in the lineup. So when Aaron Rodgers had neither Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb on the field, he was 23 points of QBR better than when he had one or both in the lineup. Instead, they are not... I guess Alan Lazard is an NFL caliber receiver, but Randall Cobb is not. Alan Lazard probably stretched as a two, making more than $10 million per year. They have Brees Hall, who is a super exciting running back, but a guy coming off of a torn ACL. Tough to see him being a a 20-carry-a-game guy. I I can't fault them for bringing in Dalvin Cook. It hasn't worked. Dalvin Cook's been terrible. But, you know, it wasn't like Dalvin Cook was a star running back last year either. So offensive infrastructure in terms of playmakers, not great. And then you get to the offensive line, a group that Jets fans this summer were treating Dwayne Brown as if he was the second coming of Anthony Munoz or Joe Thomas. Dwayne Brown was a very good player. He's in his late 30s, was coming off of an injury, and is hurt again. Akai Becton was a player who had played one game over the prior two seasons, and he was going to have to move from left tackle to right tackle. He's been relatively healthy this year, which is kind of shocking. Elijah Vera Tucker, a player Jets fans have treated as the next coming of Alan Fanica, or, you know, insert your incredible guard here. He's a good player, but also coming back from an injury and unfortunately tore his Achilles. I don't think the Jets could have anticipated that he was going to tear his Achilles this year. So that part, not ideal. Maybe you couldn't have anticipated that, but sometimes stuff goes wrong and the Jets have not had the depth you would have hoped for along their offensive line to deal with the injuries, the stuff that happens uh, to, to these linemen week after week. Connor McGovern, a player who they they cut his salary and brought him back to play center, was not very good before he got hurt. Joe Tippmann, their second-round pick, has not been, a, not been ready to play at a high level. Um, you know, this is not a team that has a great offensive line. So picture all of that with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback. Of course he makes some of those situations better. But it's still Aaron Rodgers with one good receiver behind a injury-riddled, mediocre offensive line. That's not a good combination. That's not a combination that has Super Bowl aspirations, especially when it's not the Aaron Rodgers who won back-to-back MVPs, but the Aaron Rodgers coming off of a mediocre season last year who is 39 years old. Aaron Rodgers is still a good player. I think he would have been better than he was by QBR a year ago. But the reality is, unless you're Tom Brady— it is very dangerous and very difficult to be a elite NFL quarterback this late into your 30s. I guess Drew Brees would be an example as well, but I think we're kind of spoiled by Brady and Brees. I think that expectation of those guys continue, continue to play at a high level until their absolute very end, I think that was probably a little generous relative to our expectations for Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think the the formula, I think the the blueprint for this Jets team was flawed from day one, and that's something they're going to have to address this offseason. They cannot run it back with the same infrastructure, the same offensive core, and hope to get results just because Rodgers is returning. They have to make a change at OC. Daniel Hackett is not able to do this at a high level. They have to bring in a legitimate number two receiver. If they trade for Devontae Adams, they're probably going to have to give up more draft capital that they don't have 
um, in terms of the future. But I would understand it. I wouldn't fault them for bringing in Devontae Adams. I think that would make total sense. If you're going to bring in people who are friends with Aaron Rodgers, at least have them be good at football or at least have them be, you know, super talented players. I understand being all in for a, a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers next year. So I think that makes sense. But they're going to have to make changes. You cannot come into 2024 with Aaron Rodgers expecting that just having a 40-year-old quarterback and a great defense is going to win you a Super Bowl. Tom Brady in Tampa needed more. Once his offensive line started crumbling, we saw Brady struggle. Once the running game wasn't there for Brady, we saw him struggle his final season. You can't do that with Aaron Rodgers and expect to win a Super Bowl. And for the Jets, when you trade for Aaron Rodgers, you can't expect anything less. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I've ranted about the Jets enough. Now, here as promised, one of my favorite people. Just a delightful human being, a, a bundle of joy, which is why today I'm bringing him on to talk about the NFL teams that are messy, that are trash, that are down bad. Joining me to do that is my old pal from The Ringer, Denny Heifetz. Has anyone ever called you the Great White Hyph before? The Great White Hyph? Um, no, that You would definitely be the first. Okay. I mean, I'm throwing that out there. I feel like you have a very nicknameable name. Danny, I appreciate that. Uh, I I've gotten DH a lot, which I didn't Ooh, mind. Uh, I do like that. The Great White Hive. I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. I feel like that makes me my skin crawl a little. <laughs> that's that's the appropriate reaction you want for a nickname. You don't want the other person to like it that much. <laughs> like it a little bit. Be a little nervous about it. Um, no, uh, Danny. It's a blast to have you on the show. Very excited to talk to you again. And we have a topic I feel like is very relevant right now because. This has been a weird year. There are some teams with pretty good records who kind of stink. There are some teams with some pretty stinky records who are kind of okay. I, I, I want to get past what we've seen so far this year and think about the big picture and think about where these teams lie for the future. So what we're going to do is break down, from both of our perspectives, the five teams who are... How can we put this? Maybe the furthest away from winning a Super Bowl? Is that is that fair? Is that how you put together your list? I was somewhere between Super Bowl versus the general concept of hope. Yeah. Those were kind of the two things I was competing with because sometimes Super Bowl feels very um, narrow and sure. uh, frankly unobtainable. But like hope and positivity uh, is easier to 
delude yourself into thinking is real. Sure. So what was the Batman movie where Batman's stuck in a well for like and he has to fight his way out? Oh, the Dark Knight Rises? Yeah. yeah the third one. Yeah. So like that. The, the team that's stuck in the well. The well like when he was a kid or the big well that was a prison for all the other people where he broke the, his back? The big well that was a prison. Center. People are so mad at me for not knowing the, the terms of the, bat, the third Batman movie. Uh, the well where he was an adult. He was imprisoned as an adult. Yeah. Sorry, you were born in. You were just molded by the dark. We were all born in it. It's fine. <laughs> That's fair. Thank you. Um, so we're going to go through our five teams here who are furthest from hope, furthest from the Super Bowl, furthest from relevance. You fill in your term here. I feel like they all fit. Danny, of course, you are the guest. So please start us with your team. Do you want to start with the worst team? I think that makes the most sense. I agree. I think it makes sense to start with the worst. You want me to go first? Or you please. want to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. So as I was just saying, I think it's easier to delude yourself. And so I started the first team I wrote down when you first asked me to do this was the Giants. I then changed oh, my answer. No. And I'm, putting the Patri- I'm putting the Patriots first. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm putting the Patriots as the, the most down bad team. And here's the short answer. I feel okay. like they're the clear top tier. Like Giants, Patriots is almost like you have to talk about them together. But they both have this terrible quarterback situation where, frankly, like they're just going to be competing down the rest of the season to, and just hope the draft slot fixes the quarterback mm-hmm. situation for them. They don't have much blue chip talent. The Patriots probably have more good players, mm-hmm. which isn't many, but the, and the Giants, the Giants basically have Adrian Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, and that's kind of it mm-hmm. in terms of players that should definitely, definitely be on the team in 2025. The difference to me is that I still believe in Brian Dable as the head coach, and I still believe in Joe Shane as the GM. And what I don't like about the Patriots situation is they have this terrible situation of letting Bill Belichick stay in charge we're just having to find someone to replace Bill Belichick and the dual pronged thing is what I couldn't get over of having to both find a quarterback and find a replacement for the greatest coach Mm -hmm. of my lifetime. But also they still really need to replace Tom Brady. And that just seems super daunting to me. I'm just going to throw Kayvon Thibodeau out there as one of the giants who should be on the roster. Just Giants fans don't yell at us. I think the the other reason it sounds like you picked the giants. What I kept thinking about was not only do I believe in the giant staff, which even if you don't, I think those three players, Thibodeau, Lawrence and Thomas are like better than almost anyone. The Patriots have, I mean, Christian Gonzalez, you can throw out there the other Christian uh, Barmore, but outside of the two Christians, man, I don't know. I feel so. Why did you pick the giants over the Patriots? I didn't pick the giants or the Patriots at number one, Danny. Wow, what? I picked the Carolina Panthers at number one. Okay. Let's talk about the Patriots and the Giants to start here. So from the Patriots' perspective, obviously, you laid out the big problem here, which is that they have a major conundrum at the two most important positions on the roster in quarterback and head coach. And this is not a new thing for the Patriots. I mean, I was talking with someone about this yesterday in the league. They've drafted their first round picks have really struggled the past few years. You could say they haven't had a a successful first round pick since, gosh, I don't know, 2014, 2013. (laughs) You look back and it's like, that's why Brady left is they can't draft. Oh, sure. I mean, like that's a bad thing. But the thing is we have 25 ish years of Belichick drafting where some of it was with Scott Pioli. Some of it was, was with Nick Casario. Some of it was on his own. I don't know that he can't draft. I know he's had some bad first-round picks, and that is usually a good sign that you can't draft, but I've also seen him make a lot of good picks in years past. Like, like you don't get a big enough sample on GMs to really get a strong idea of what they can do. Belichick's one of the few guys where we can say, yes, he, he has. And I think about maybe um, John Schneider in Seattle, where remember how bad their first pick, first-round picks were for a while, where I remember... When the Jamal Adams trade happened, 
Seahawks okay. fans were like, "Listen, you guys don't you don't understand. Like, we're gonna get we're gonna mess up our first round picks anyway. Let's just trade them for Jamal Adams because we know he's good." And then John Schneider had like the best draft in football last year when he got a first round pick that was not in the twenties. So, are we? Going to say Bill Belichick, if they land a top five pick, is he going to screw it up, you think? Well, I think the problem is twofold. It's that Bill Belichick, the, first of all, when we talk about the draft, it's it's draft and develop, right? Like, yes. it's, nobody's a finished product, product at 21. Like, your job is also to develop them. And I think the problem is Belichick is in charge of drafting players, scout, you know, r- running the team, but then also coaching the players and developing them. But there's also this third thing we never talk about. I had the opportunity to... to um, Talked to Bill Cower this season, sure. and someone asked him about coaching players, and he stopped them. He's like, I don't coach players. I coach coaches. I think that's actually the biggest problem the Patriots have is Belichick mm-hmm. has completely lost interest in coaching coaches and teaching them. Like Danny Kelly, who I host the show with, and um, I think he's you know he's been on this show with you before. Danny Kelly jokes about when you get older, you just don't want to talk to people anymore. And Belichick, like he keeps bringing back Joe Judge and Patricia and all these people because he just doesn't want to deal with people anymore. So he doesn't have the energy to coach coaches. And then, you know, half a quarter of the defensive staff is just his children. And so I look and I'm like, no wonder they can't develop the players because there's this cascading system on both sides. I feel like Belichick stopped developing a scouting system to find people Mm -hmm. and the coaching development aspect. So both these prongs are broken. And when you're out of touch enough that Matt Patricia will be put in charge of your defense. Look, maybe he did better than we thought, given how the offense is doing this year. But the fact that even that was considered, I think, to answer your question, it's not a good situation for quarterback if it was ever thought that someone who's never called offense should develop Mac Jones. But, like, but, it's just there's not much uh, to put in stock that this will go well. But couldn't you say that the Patriots' defense has been very good the past few years? Like, admittedly, given that there's multiple uh, Belichick sires on the staff, there's some questions about whether they are uh, getting the most... Uh, cutting edge stuff, but like the defense has been good for the past few years. It's not good this year, but they also lost their star first round pick at cornerback, Christian Gonzalez, who was awesome before his injury, and Matt Judon, their best pass rusher, their best front seven player in the same game in September. Like, if you, I mean, the Bills defense hasn't been great since they lost Matt Milano and Tredavious White. I'm not going to say Sean McDermott should get fired because of that, um, because they have a quarterback in place. I, I think to me, it feels like. If you go to Bill Belichick and say, hey, listen, you have to bring in someone from the outside to refresh this offense. Like you're, the, the ideas you have are not getting where they need to get. You need to cede some control of personnel. We still think you're a good coach. We still think you can, can coach defense. Um, but we need you to give up some of your control. Maybe he'll say, screw you, I'm out of here. But if he doesn't, I still feel like he's a better coach than the next person you're likely to hire. So you're saying that the most cynical the most cynical version you could say about Belichick is he's probably an elite defensive coach that was totally propped up, the Patriot way propped up by just great Brady excellence. But if the Patriots fall face first into Drake May or Caleb Williams, which they're well, kind of doing, that, they're kind of doing that might be enough for them to just be back in a wild card like as soon as next year. Yes, that, that, that's fair. That's a fair argument. Yes, that that that's my concern about putting the Patriots so high okay. here and the Giants. I mean. It's different, right? Like, like I understand believing in Dable, <laughs> but they do have a quarterback making $41 million next year who is now out for the year with a torn ACL, who was terrible when he was healthy, um, who has been injured. Is that bad? Every single year besides last year. It's not good. And I, I, I think it's frustrating because it's not as if this was not obvious to anyone who was not wearing uh, a blue jersey for most of the offseason. I mean, the Giants, I don't think they're naive to this, right? Like, weren't they at 
the USC game, the USC Washington game last weekend. Yeah. So I think that tells you they're they're they've recognized uh, we made a huge mistake and we're going to be open to taking a quarterback if we fall that far. But this isn't a team that's even in good cap shape. Like next year, their cap's going to be a mess. It's not even like they can go out and bring in ten players to upgrade this roster. Like they they are in a messy, sticky situation, partly because of what Dave Gettleman did, but partly because they committed to the roster they had last year and, and sort of believed that they were onto something when they were not a good team last year and they're a terrible team this year. Yeah, the you know, if the Giants end up with a top two pick this year, sometimes um what's the phrase, you know, sometimes you shoot yourself in the foot, miss and accidentally you can strike oil. Like I think that the it's, Giants Wait, what? I don't know. Is I that a, is that a phrase? phrase. A... Is is that is that how you is that how you try to find oil? You just shoot the ground until you find oil? I think so. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. <laughs> but the point being, I think that I think that they are they're not obviously in a bad cap situation. I think there's a world that they just are going to eat like way more of Daniel Jones's cap money next year than they ever wanted to do and move on after 2025. He, oh I yeah, that he, they, sure. I think they take a quarterback. He's the nominal starter entering 2024, and they transition at some point, and then they you know sayonara. But I, I think <laughs> the thing that these two teams have in common, the Giants Patriots, is I think you also have to factor in divisional politics a little bit. Like, sure. I mean, I, I, watching, I think the Giants was very clarifying, very humbling. And a lot of people were like, oh, I won an Oscar. I'm so humble. Like, that's the opposite of being humble. Oh, sorry. A, a lot of people say, I won an Oscar. I'm so humble. Well, no, I'd say a lot of people use humbling wrong. What was actually humbling is watch, being a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. Watching Giants mm-hmm. Raiders side by side with Eagles Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And I just kept looking back and forth like, we're supposed to beat them? Like, <laughs> the Giants can't beat the Eagles. The Giants couldn't even run the Philly special on Sunday. <laughs> they can't even run trick plays. To be fair, they did run the Philly special better than the Rams, who at least caught the pass, <laughs> but injured Matthew Stafford's thumb in the process yeah. and knocked him out for a game. Well, the Giants already knocked out two quarterbacks. So. That's true, but not not doing trick plays, Danny. Show their the trick play plays. formula some respect. I, I, you know, I mean, I, mean, I, I understand the the argument of like Dable was a good coach last year with the personnel he had and he was like I don't think he suddenly forgot how to coach but suddenly this feels like it's a major major step up I mean even if you get Drake May or Caleb Williams which we're going to talk about for a lot of these teams in our top five I believe like you still need to add two starting receivers and if you think Jalen Hyatt's good um your tight end is 31 years 30 one thirty-two years old, I think thirty-two years old next year, and can't stay healthy. Um, your running back is a free agent. Your offensive line has one very good player and four big question marks, like that, uh, like that Jets uh, play I tweeted out from from Monday night, where it's just the receivers running four question mark routes. Uh, one of whom is a top ten pick who insulted the fan base. So, and then the defense, yeah. I don't. I mean, like Dexter Lawrence is awesome. Kevin Thibodeau is really good. They feel like a weird fit. Like, like they, they feel like they should be a team that rushes four and gets after the quarterback that way, and they have an, a defensive coordinator who just wants to blitz his brain out. So Yeah, yeah. I think you're totally right. So, again, I, I should have said this at the top, but the way I did this whole exercise was I really just looked at two lenses. I looked at this through, who would you pick if this was a Madden yes. simulation? Like, who would you pick? What do they have, right? The yes. blue, who are the good players? Who are the players in the 90s? And then what's the quarterback situation, mm-hmm. right? And then cap, and, and then obviously that's, draft that's picks. The, that's a good way to do it. 
But then the but then the other lens I was like, okay, but it's not who's running the team. And I think that the tiebreaker for me is like, I don't know who's going to be running the Patriots next year. I think you're right. I think it's fair to say that if the Patriots get that top two pick, you're probably right. I think you've changed my mind. I actually probably should have put the Panthers number one. And that I think the Giants, it, it, it's similar it's if they get Caleb Williams or Drake May. I think what's concerning me is exactly what you just said, is if you don't get the top two pick for Giants or Patriots, they're in the same boat. Who do they have to catch the ball? Both the Giants and Patriots have like one good lineman. Andrew yeah. Thomas is the, I mean, how many players they have under 30? And I look at the Giants, and if they don't get that top two pick, and you either have to rely on, like, Bo Nix, who, again, most quarterbacks fail. It's like you really should be assuming they're going to be bad and hope mm-hmm. that they're good. And if the Giants don't, and they have to trade up, which is really what you're saying where the Panthers are, the, how are the Giants going to acquire a single solid receiver under 30 years old? Mm-hmm. Never mind, the best case for Evan Neal is they have to move him from right tackle to right guard. So how do the Giants get that player, especially if you have to give up the capital to move up? So that's the concern, and I think that there's only two, there's only two Drake Mays and Caleb Williams, and whoever doesn't get them, like it's in their own tier. The good thing for the Giants is that they are well-positioned to be stinking Man. for the rest of the year and tank for Caleb Mays. Tommy Williams, DeVito. It's going to be Tommy DeVito and Matt Barkley for the next few weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about the Panthers. My number one pick. You feel like they should be high up there as well, I think. This is sort of, they're not going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. They don't have a path to that because they traded their first round pick to the Bears who might end up getting Caleb Williams or Drake May. I'm not factoring that frustration into this, but I am saying you have no first round pick next year, so you can't add another super talented player to your roster. They have, let's go through the roster quickly. Question marks oh at running God. back where Miles Sanders hasn't worked out. Question marks at receiver where their only passable receiver this year has been Adam Thielen, who has been good somehow, miraculously, but who is in his mid-30s. Hayden Hurst, their starting tight end, has uh, fallen out of the starting role after they added him in free agency. Their offensive line, supposed to be good, has not been good. Iki Aquanu, who was their, t- their first-round pick last year, was struggling as a rookie, has been bad this year in pass protection, has not been great. On defense, they have a couple of super talented players. Unfortunately, Shaq Thompson's out for the year. J.C. Horn has missed significant time each of his first three seasons. And Brian Burns is a pending free agent. You're about to franchise him. You don't have him (laughs) under contract next year. So there's talent on this roster to a greater extent than the, the Patriots and the Giants. But Bryce Young has not looked great. And if Bryce Young is bad, like... You might get fired before, if you were to take this job tomorrow, you might get fired before you have the chance to take the next guy. That might be three years from now. Honestly, Bill, you changed my mind. Maybe I'm bad at takes and content because maybe I'm not supposed to say that. But like, you changed my mind because I'm realizing that the Panthers are at where I was saying the Patriots would be if things went wrong. And because I actually think Bryce Young still might be good. I, 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 I do too, to be clear. The problem is that the offense has been so bad that if Bryce Young is good, then clearly the coaching and the ro- or the roster 
or both are a huge problem. And the Panthers have just once, I feel like the theme of the David Tepper era owning the Panthers is just huge investments with questionable returns. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, I mean, the players, coaches, Matt rules, $60 million deal, the practice facility, they got how far and how much money, like seven, eight figures in a building, a practice facility. They just bailed. Like mm-hmm. nothing they've invested in has really yielded any kind of dividend. And so, Bryce Young, it's like even let's say he's good. I, I feel like Frank Reich has already raised huge questions in the coaching staff. But then if you bring in another coach, you're just starting Bryce Young's clock over. But yep. the, the, I look at this roster and I'm kind of like it's the arrest of the development dead dove. Do not eat. Like, what do they expect? It's like the the trading away DJ Moore mm-hmm. in the trade to get Bryce Young. Turning down Brian Burns, and at this point they've been offered what four first round picks in three hundred and sixty five day span for Burns. They turned down, <laughs> I believe so. and then they're like, like it was like a caricature. They're like, yeah, now we need a receiver. It's like, well, yeah, why did you give away DJ Moore? <laughs> so I, I, I see what you're saying. Where this is the this is the hardest one to believe. I probably overrated that they're in the NFC South, and I feel like any team can win the NFC South and well. an off season. But uh, you're right that it's really. I mean, the fact that they don't have a first, and they're down a second next year too, aren't I they? I believe so. I mean that's pretty that's pretty bad when you feel like you missed at left tackle. Yeah, uh, there's just not much hope. Like the fact that their third best player in a couple of years might be J.C. Horn, who, as you said, has missed, has played 17 games in three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not ideal. Um, the the NFC South thing is interesting because I I could make a case for three different teams from the <laughs> NFC South being on this list. I do have another one as my number two, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where. They're in the they're mired in the mediocrity of the middle class of the NFL. They have an expensive roster. They're not even like saving money. They're expensive. They're 47 million over next year's cap with Mike Evans, uh, Levante White, or sorry, Levante David, excuse me, Devin White, Greg Gaines, and Antoine Winfield Jr., all free agents. They have Nothing at quarterback, with, but they have Baker Mayfield, who looked good last week, to be fair. Did did produce last week, but Baker is Baker. I don't think you want to be building around Baker. Um, Kyle Trask is there as well. They have no running game. I, I mean, like, they're, they're, they're good enough, and they're playing in a division that's bad enough that we know they have no shot at, at those top two quarterbacks. And so they're going to take Bo Nix or someone in the middle of the first round, probably, with good wide receivers, but no running game. Uh, an up and down offensive line, a a defense that's going to be missing a bunch of starters from this year and it hasn't played that well this year. I mean, Carlton Davis got nuked by the Texans last <laughs> week in that game. Um, you know, like like to me, it feels like they're they're good enough to be bad. But if we're talking about like, can you make a run and seriously compete? Like, I I don't see a path for that with this roster construction. This is a well-timed uh, episode, Bill. I yeah. see how you're good at your job. It's because the Bucks, I, 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 I think you, you've done a great job always pointing out the how quickly the Rams won a Super Bowl and how, how quickly all of their defenders except Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones were no longer on the team. Like, I, I remember you, you tweeted out, like, a list of just you crossed out and read all the players. The Bucks are, like, the opposite. They won the Super Bowl, like, three years ago. Like, eight of these defenders that started are still on this team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this Sunday... With this Texans game, five touchdowns to a rookie quarterback was like the uh, the unofficial. Okay, this defense we officially don't need to keep these people anymore. 
I just think it's odd that the Bucks. You, I think what's weird about them is they have so many good players, but the whole feels so much less than the sum of the parts. Yes. Um, in part because they have a very not physical offensive line. Yes. And they have. It's like I was going to say a shell. It's really a husk. It's really like this post Tom Brady husk. Uh, maybe this is rude, but it kind of just. You ever like buy vegetables and like just leave them in the fridge too long, and you're like, I'm not gonna. Like yes. I should have eaten that. Yes. Like there actually was way more meat on the bone after Brady left than I think I ever gave the Bucks credit for. Mm-hmm. But they just really never were aggressive enough about having a quarterback. Um, yeah, they forgot. I, I think that's what it is. I think they just were like. Okay, got a to do list. Okay, we went and refilled the you know the cannonballs in the pirate ship. We uh, went out and didn't trade Devin White. Great. Oh man, yeah. I forgot about J- Jacoby. Pres- oh, he's gone already. Oh, okay. I, I mm, Baker was good on national TV last year. Let's go with him. I guess I don't know. Kyle Trask is probably good. You can't forget about the quarterback. That's the most important part of the mix. Um, Danny, give me your number three after. The Patriots I had the Giants. Panthers at three, okay. but you've actually changed my mind. I will now. Ad- I'm going to put Panthers at one, and okay. I think Giants two, Patriots three, because you've made a very compelling. Patriots getting a quarterback would pretty immediately make them a playoff team again. Okay. Um, I guess I'll give you my number three then. I feel like I'm dominating this show. I apologize. Well, I mean, is that why you brought me on? Yes, I want. You're a very meek and very thoughtful yeah. co-host. Um, I will. I will go with the Denver Broncos. Yeah. In number three, Danny. I tweeted this out last week, a stack called Snap Weighted Age. Kevin Clark used it against me on Around the Horn, and then... How do you feel about that? Uh, it was it was probably one of my all-time favorite moments on television to hear Tony Reale uh, criticize Kevin Clark for using this stat, and Kevin immediately capitulate and be like, oh, it was Bill's stat after, after I had not been credited for it originally. Just incredible TV. Um, do you know how old the Broncos roster is, Danny? In terms um, of... In terms of where they rank in the NFL? I don't know. They probably ancient Sumerian. Ancient Sumerian. <laughs> Russell Wilson's contract is on stone tablets. Yes, that is true. <laughs> uh, they are the third oldest roster in the National oh Football League. The Saints are one. I forget who's number two, but the Broncos are number three. So you have an old roster to begin. You have a roster that I think it's fair to say has some holes. This has not been the prettiest roster in football this season they have played better the past few weeks to be fair but this is a team that is missing so many first round picks from the russell wilson and sean payton trades and understand why they did them i'm not not trying to relitigate those trades i was all for the russell wilson trade it has not worked out even though russ has been better this year we'll see what happens with the sean payton trade um but i'm only saying that to say at the end of the day like they're going to feel the effects of not having three or four first-round picks from those deals for years to come because there's going to be holes in their roster they're going to have to fill because they did not have those solutions, and Russ might not be around to make up for it. Um, they probably would consider taking a quarterback in the first round this year if or, – or sorry, early in the draft this year if one Sean Payton likes is aware. So you add all that to the factor you consider that I do not consider frequently enough, and I think you're very right to consider this – they play in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, which is bad yeah. for your chances yeah. of winning a Super Bowl. So they have a coach who I think is good. They have some talent, no question. But are the Broncos hopeless? I mean, I think maybe. I think the, I think that uh, everything you laid out, I, I also think the Broncos are for. And I think that you laid it out really well. The thing I would add on top of what you're saying 
is that not only do they have no picks to make them younger, but they spent their money in free agency. Never mind the fact that it cost them, aside from all the picks they spent to get Russell Wilson, what, two first, two seconds for Russ, mm-hmm. plus a smattering of players, another first, second for Peyton. Then also a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed oh to boy. get Russ and Peyton. On top of that, all the other free agents they signed. And here's the problem. Historically, as I learned reading your columns for 12 years, mm-hmm. the free, you can actually, it's a bad idea probably to spend a bunch of money in free agency because free agency is mostly composed of players that nobody else wanted they saw them every day for four years and didn't want to keep them Mm -hmm. but the problem is you actually usually do get a bump in that first year the like every year you see this giants in 2016 had a huge Mm -hmm. bump you know even the jaguars like you sign those free agents you get that first year bump then the decline the broncos haven't even gotten the bump (laughs) they wanted to see from the spending and as a very great stat that i personally pulled myself quote quarterback russell wilson has had five games in his career with fewer than 120 yards passing and two of those have come in the Broncos' past three games. Oh, no. Who was that stat from, Which, Manny? Uh, that stat was, did you like it or not? I liked it. Okay, it was my stat okay, that good. I got under my say? pen name. Bill Barnwell, say? ESPN staff writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, I think that's a really good point. They've They have already invested a lot in free agency. And those picks have been pretty bad so far. Um, I don't know if Mike McGlinchey is really the best right tackle in football. Can I give you my take on the Broncos? Please. I think that, you know how, like, sometimes people in life, you know, sometimes you crave the opposite, right? Sometimes people get out of a relationship, get the opposite person. Sometimes you drive a car your whole life, you want the opposite car. The Broncos' ownership is the Walmart family. And their whole life, what are they doing? Like, you know, the everyday low price. Like, they're just, like, thin margins. And they came in and they got an NFL team. And I think they wanted to spend the most money possible after a lifetime of accruing billions of dollars on, like, percentages of cents. And then they just, like, were so excited to spend $200 million in one go that they really just got out over their skis. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think they should have done? They should have hired uh, David Culley as their head coach. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. Ironically, they, they they were the people of all people to have the training to what, what do we say? Every NFL owner comes in and just they think they can do it. They make huge swings. And I kind of was like, I wonder if the Walmart people will just get it that that's not a good idea. And actually, they were more excited to do it than anyone. <laughs> like they should. I thought they were going to incremental. Let's keep our money. Like, don't give away stuff. Like, yeah. you know, I thought they would under, understand intrinsically. That was a good idea. But I guess they didn't learn much from invest from uh, inheriting the 70 billion dollars. Mm. Well, you have two new own, basically two of the newest ownership groups in this list, which also seems like it may be related to not having a great infrastructure to succeed, Danny. Um, I, I feel like I'm not going to keep going naming teams. I have a couple more. Give me your number five. I want to hear who your number five is. All right. I'm between two teams, and okay. I want you to talk me through what I should okay. have. I'm between the Raiders, yep. who had a fun game beating the Giants, but yep. ultimately... Going to have to flip Devontae, and we'll see if he wants to stay. They have Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, a solid yep. left side of the offensive line, and nothing else. Yep. And I kind of just put the Bears anyway. Ooh. I know that they have two first-round picks. They might get the first pick, but I'm like, you know what? They had the the only they, the Bears invented the quarterback position 80 years ago, and they haven't <laughs> had one since. The, and like honestly, I think so much of success is top down. Sure. The Bears' ownership, in my mind. Seems to be a little more focused on getting the rights to build a stadium, to, yep. and then they can just sell the team after the. I feel like the Seahawks are the next team to be sold, and then Chicago. And like, call me crazy, I, I feel like you can't really believe you're going to win a Super Bowl until the people who own the team are thinking about how do we win a Super Bowl and not how do we cash out for like six billion dollars. Like that's bad. 
on top of the fact that they've never developed it, they keep lighting second round picks on fire. I don't know. I, they're going to have a new coach because the flip side is what if they just hire Jim Harbaugh and get Caleb Williams? Like mm-hmm. they might be the best team. What if so they I know hire dumb. Lincoln Riley and, yeah. and and get Caleb Williams? Like that's not so a possibility either. It's probably so. The right answer here is probably the Raiders, right? The Raiders are my number four pick, so we were on the same page here. Um, I think that makes sense. I, 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 Max Crosby in my head's thirty. The, f- the fact that he's twenty seven, twenty six, he's, 26. he's it's, so good. It's crazy. Like I mean, how? how should the Raiders keep him or should the Raiders realistically try to flip Devontae and him for like four first round picks and just start anew? I don't think they're going to get four first round picks for those two players. I think they'll get two for Max Crosby. I wrote about this in my column, um, which was free on ESPN last week about Josh. I think it was my firing. column. It was in your. Oh, sorry. It was. I did. It was a Danny Heifetz column. I was up at three in the morning writing it. And yeah. you, you texted me and said, Bill, if you don't put my name in this column, uh, I, I'm going to come for you. And that's fair. I understand that. So your name is on it in some jurisdictions not in massachusetts though um i will say (laughs) that i think they get two first round picks from max crosby i think they almost have to because they're a few years away from competing again we talked about the divisional factors here with mahomes and herbert who are not going away but you hope that maybe their rosters are a little more compromised in a few years uh you build the right way you have years of missing first round picks that you need to replace who have been either bad or traded or uh, had trouble off the field or not been healthy. I mean, I don't think you get a one for Adams. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you're a team that just like the Jets want to give up a first round pick for Devontae Adams. That's not crazy by any means. But I think you get two for Crosby, and I think you just have to start over. I just think you have to try and rack up as many picks as possible and just be like very patient for three years and hope that in year four you're good. Um, they're not going to be bad enough. I don't think they'll be bad enough to get one of the top two quarterbacks. Whew, but it is not a not a pretty situation for the Raiders. They're the fifth oldest team in football this year, by the way. Yeah, the, I, I love that snap adjusted stuff you have. And I, so Crosby, I, I'm curious you think, again, this great um, stat I wrote this week. He, Crosby leads the NFL with 40 pressures through nine games. That's true. Serving as the only pass rusher of note on a defense in which nobody else had more than one sack all season before Sunday. And before I, the Giants is, came to town. Yeah. It's such a good defensive player of the year race. And part of me is like, if you actually have this guy that's so productive, who else are they going to pay? Is it worth flipping? What are the odds that those two first round picks produce anyone worth Crosby? It's like if they don't have much young talent. Um, sure. But is, or do you just have to have the ammo? Because ultimately you need to get a quarterback and Aiden Connell's not the guy. I think so. The only thing I would say is that, like, let's say you keep Crosby. OK, he has three years left in his deal. He's been so good. You probably are negotiating next year. Like, what are you paying him for the next three years in the time? But by the time you're going to be good, he's 30 or he's 29 turning 30. He's still going to be a good player then probably, but he's going to be past his peak, probably going to be more expensive. Like, you know, will those two first round picks turn into the next Max Crosby? Probably not, but they'll be a lot cheaper. And frankly, I think you owe it to Max Crosby. Don't waste the next three years of your life, you know, hoping to smoke cigars in the locker room three times a year because our team's going to be terrible. (laughs) Do you believe in any way, do you believe in any aspect of, um, you need you probably want one great player for the purpose of culture and setting a standard, or do you think that's overrated? Like, would you rather like if you up close and personal were like, wow, Max Crosby actually changes mm-hmm. or like raises the bar for the work ethic of all the players around him? Does that mean anything to you, or does it still like ah uh, like or significantly mean anything where you might keep him? A lot of the Panthers keeping Brian Burns, which I don't know if that's why they did it, but. Would that change it for you, or you're like, no, you got to get the first rounders anyway? I mean, it sounds great in theory. I, I can certainly see yeah. the argument, 
but the the point I'm going to make in response is Joe Thomas and the Browns. Where Joe Thomas I was, was thinking I was th- I was going to bring it up, and I was like, that will kind of end arguments. And, <laughs> and like, not saying that they were bad because of Joe Thomas, because obviously that's not the case. Not that's saying a good they take. Got, they got better after Joe Thomas left because Joe Thomas left, because that's not fair. But. One had nothing to do with the other, which is unfair to Joe Thomas, who's one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. But just like you have coaches, coaches like and like if they trade Max Crosby, Antonio Pierce can still be like, hey, this is what the standard is. Um, so I, I I think you're better off having young talent than trying to have a great player set the standard there. But I, I I could see the argument for sure. I have one more team left on my list, Danny. So you have the Raiders Hit officially me. at five. Yeah, I think so. Just because the it's there's so much wrong, and again, Mark Davis, the, the they can't draft well, they they don't hire well, and Mark Davis is living in his own reality, and they don't have a quarterback. I have one more team on this list, and I feel good about it, but I do think when I say them, you might be shocked. Does that okay. give you any hint as to who it might be? Is it the Jets? It's not the Jets, although that would be oh. not far off. The Jets, the defense is too good. They have too That's much. That's what talent. I thought. Yeah, like. Like, if they can get a competent quarterback, they will be fine. And they'll have a competent quarterback next year. He won't be the guy they are hoping for, but he'll be fine. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at number five. Wow. That, wow. That, I told you. I told you you were going to be surprised. Let me lay out the case for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have an incredible coach in Mike Tomlin. I think we can both agree, correct? Of course. This is a team that has negative $5 million in cap space next year. So not a ton of money to work with and adding talent. They have the oldest defense in all of football. Defense playing well, but their best players, Cameron Hayward, 34, TJ Watt, 29, Mika Fitzpatrick's younger. They have a couple of um, younger pieces, Alex Highsmith, Keanu Benton's been really exciting this year. But this is a very old secondary and a front seven that is full of veterans as opposed to younger talent. I know this perception of the Steelers is that they are a drafting and developing team. They have gotten away from that. According to Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap, I believe, they have one of the lowest rates of homegrown talent, which would have been shocking to me 20 or 30 years ago. They have the young they have one of the youngest offenses in all of football, Danny. But you're you you host a fantasy football show. On, I do. On podcast Should have mentioned that at some point. Yeah, well, at the end. But what do you think of the Steelers' offense? Oh, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess. They have a bad off, a mediocre, too bad offensive line. I've heard where Brandon Thorne had them in his rankings that established the run, but they I think they were bottom five uh, up front. They have a couple of exciting receivers in George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth, who struggled to stay healthy, and Deontay Johnson. But, oh boy, the other spots. Najee Harris has been terrible as a first-draft pick. And Kenny Pickett, the guy who was getting who I, I was getting angry tweets about when I suggested that he was not good based on six passes in the preseason. Kenny Pickett has been abysmal in his second season, Danny. So... When the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett, I, yes. I was like, this is just falling in love with the boy next door mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, yeah, like 
we just took the guy, you know, they f- share the facility, University of Pittsburgh and Steelers. I'm like, that's like a bad sign. <laughs> like, that's a bad sign when you're like, you just fall. It's like you, you proposed to like the first girl you ever saw. That's wow. basically what they did. Wow. And I will say, so my girlfriend's um, from Pittsburgh. Yes. And I go there a lot. Pittsburgh, I, I, I Chicago people claim this, but if Chicago's the, the biggest small town in America, Pittsburgh's the second biggest small town. Okay. It's like, with pride, people from Pittsburgh are like, yeah, it's like a borderline cult. Like, I'm not kidding you. It was a huge factor that Kenny Pickett went to Pitt and was like mm-hmm. this local guy. But even so I say that with it is incredibly bad sign that Steelers fans have already given up on this dude. My question for you is that there's so much blame being ho- foisted upon Matt Canada where, you know, they haven't had 400 yards in God knows how long. I don't know, since World War Two or something. It's like it, it, it's nice that they that the soldiers came back from the war and the Steelers welcomed them with a yeah, 400 no, it's yard crazy. Game. Like we built and then America built and deconstructed the entire global order in the time that the Steelers have had 400 yards. Wow. But I realize we were getting to this on this podcast. Well, we didn't have to. I wasn't where I was going, but the I, the Steelers' offense to me is like it honestly reminds me almost of like a bad version of Eli Manning. In oh, the middle boy. of his career, where it's like they can't do anything for fifty-five minutes, and then because they're so, like the Steelers are so, Mike Tomlin, they're so afraid of for fifty-five minutes. It's like don't make a mistake, don't do anything dangerous, and then they're like, oh, we have to go win the game, go do something, and then they just <laughs> in the up-tempo, hurry-up offense actually unlocks, and they're like, all right, I guess we can move the football now. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, for all the blame on Matt Canada, I, it's so odd to me. It's like as if Mike Tomlin isn't Matt Canada's boss and also in charge of the offense, yes. and. While Mike Tomlin deserves a tremendous amount of credit for being, you know, never having a losing record, which is almost impossible in the NFL. Doesn't Mike Tomlin deserve a pretty hefty amount of blame for something that is literally his job, which is to oversee the offense, too? And like, how much of this do you think is Tomlin's defensive coordinator core identity of like, if the offense doesn't make a mistake, we'll win the turnover margin and the defense will win the game? This did come up. I I gave Tomlin coach of the year. In my midseason rank, sorry, Danny's midseason. That's so weird. I, I did the same thing. That's so weird. He was, he was my coach of the year, and I did get a lot of negative feedback. People were like, "Hey, this guy hired back Canada. He deserves the blame for that." Someone even threw me a "be better," which is <laughs> when 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 you know uh, someone has decided to cause trouble. Ah, uh, and, and that's a fair criticism. I, I don't know that it changes my feelings about, about how good Tomlin has been this year. But in terms of the big picture for the Steelers, it absolutely does make sense. And this has been a team that, you know, since they moved on from Bruce Arians, who was retired, quote unquote, and then took like eight other jobs after uh, being retired, um, they have not really stuck the landing at OC. And Mike Tomlin's been the head coach that entire time. So I think you can make a fair case that, you know, he does take some culpability for the offensive infrastructure and decision making. Do you think trying to think of OCs that might be available this year. Like, let's say they hire, I don't know, Matt LaFleur. Or it's not Matt, Matt LaFleur. Uh, the other LaFleur. Mike. Mike LaFleur. They could have to, more different names than Matt and Mike. Come on, guys. Uh, Mike LaFleur <laughs> as OC. They hire someone who who we think is a, a, probably a competent OC. Do you think that fixes Kenny Pickett? No, you beat me to the punch. My, I think the thing that uh, has frustrated me is, you know, I, I had this question about the Ravens, and to some extent, I've been proven wrong. But I, I like, I just, I'm always fascinated when there's only so much you can put at the coordinator's feet. Like, I, I looked at, I put a lot of blame on Jason Garrett for the Giants because I'm like, he was hired to at, because he was the most experienced person. He was hired to do the offense. But most of the time, when I'm looking at John Harbaugh, 
with his offense coordinator is Greg Roman. Greg Roman got a lot of criticism. I'm like, well, John Harbaugh's like the boss. Like it's jo- like John Har- like John Harbaugh's not thinking about this all day and dictating it. Like it's like Greg Harbaugh. Greg Roman is like some like fiefdom that can't be reined in by the <laughs> Roman Empire. It's like you know, it's like Matt Cannon is not the barbarians at the gate that can't. Like he's an employee. We never talk about this enough. Quarterbacks do what their coordinator tells them, and the coordinator's at the behalf of the coach. And so I'm just like, I don't know. It's I, I'm always skeptical that. Matt Canada maybe is perhaps underqualified, mm-hmm. but also the overall strategy is dictated by Mike Tomlin. And so I'm dubious that they would hire anyone with really different ideas and that if they came, brought someone in, that they wouldn't be largely maybe different results slightly. But like it's still part of this broader vision of, mm-hmm. yeah, we can get out yardage and still win the game. It's fine. Like they don't want to. It's like what Mike McCarthy said of the Cowboys. He's like, we don't need to get all these points and yards. But like coaches believe that, man. Coaches believe that all the time. So I, I think that the overall direction is set. But to your point, that's dangerous when the defense is really old and you are relying on these engines of Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt playing at a basically a defensive player of the year level. And if those things fall, then everything else could fall real quick. Did you say out yardaged? I did. I was just kind of going on the fly. Here's my take with words. If you know what I mean, it's a word. Like every, No one heard me say out yardaged and was like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? They're like, maybe he's dumb. He, he speaks for a living. He should probably like know words. But I'm like, but if you knew what I meant, isn't that a word? I I, I would love a podcast that's just called Here's My Take With Words. Here's, here's, my, here's my word take. People are like, oh, like the watching the Chiefs is funner than the Giants. And people are like, funner is not a word. I'm like, but you knew what it meant. They're all made up. The wor- <laughs> words are just sounds that wow. we know what they mean. <laughs> Danny pulls out the all dogs are adopted argument. <laughs> never heard that one. That's funny. Well, no, I mean, is oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> wow. wow. Food for thought as we finish up here. Um, okay. So give me your top five to finish up here, Danny. I know we, we went through some back and forth. Where did you land on your, your bottom five teams? Your top five is the wrong word. Panthers tier of their own at number one because they are the what could go wrong if Mm -hmm. you trade up for quarterback and also maybe hire the wrong coach then i have giants and the patriots where if they get the quarterback they're good and if they don't they're probably a disaster zone then we've got these teams that are mostly like stuck in quarterback purgatory where i agree with you broncos bucks raiders and i think you could you could tweak with the order for various reasons. Yeah. I, I don't think the order is the important thing. I think it's just if you're in consideration for being at the bottom here, so many things have to go right for you to feel like you're going to end up in the right situation. Yeah, I will put Broncos Raiders actually four or five because they have to compete with Mahomes and Herbert, whereas the Bucks at the end of the day, the Saints are in this weird cap situation forever that will end eventually. And then the Panthers, we're saying, are number one. So that to me is the Bucks, the Bucks are just competing with the Falcons. So I'll, I make that the tiebreaker and take them out of the top five. The Saints are in this weird cap situation. They, they're, they're just loaded. Well, sorry, I meant to say, uh, what's the technical term? Money laundering scheme. Money laundering scheme. Fair. It's a fair way to put it, Danny. Don't don't let Saints fans hear that though. They know what they're doing. They're they're just so much smarter than everyone else when it comes. I know. To- look, when I take four hundred dollars out at three a.m. on Bourbon Street, like I also know what I'm doing. I'm sacrificing tomorrow for today, and I'm going to try to stay awake as long as possible. And that's what the Saints are doing. That's 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 a very good way to put it, Danny. That's a. Uh, I may have to use that in your column next week. <laughs>
But until then, until we can share a byline together and just just enjoy the glory days of the NFL. Danny, where can people check out all the work you do? Ringer Fantasy Football Show, baby. Uh, Anywhere you get podcasts, but get them on Spotify. I would love if it was called the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, baby. That would be such a good name. (laughs) Danny, it's a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Bill. Thanks so much to Danny Heifetz of The Ringer. You can tell Danny is a friend of mine. Love talking about football with Danny off the air. Love talking about it with him on this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We have more audio coming next week on The Bill Barnwell Show. Plenty of stuff to get to as we approach Thanksgiving. We approach the second half. We're officially in the second half now of the NFL season. Shocking to me. We've already played half a football season. But hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope we didn't upset you too much if you're one of the teams we mentioned. But more audio coming next week.